Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Listen, this morning is an exciting morning, and this is the first morning that All Nations Church Leicester, Vine Life Church Manchester, we are diving in and looking at the same stuff um, together, this new series um, we're going to do together. So whether you're in Manchester, in Leicester, we're 90 miles apart, but um, we're really glad that um, you're here. We're glad we get to do this together. Um, So like the series intro um, just hopefully set up for you, we're going to look at this new series um, and look at some things Some pretty simple things, some things you're going to be super familiar with. Almost they might feel quite basic. Um, The things that, to be honest with you, there's a danger that we can end up kind of being aware of them, paying lip service to them. But actually, they're things we need to really take seriously, particularly in the season we find ourselves in right now. And so my challenge to each of us is, is what does this look like for me? Like, what does this look like? You know, these truths, these things that we know, not to be just something we're aware of, but to be actualized. Um, even in challenging situations, actually to really personally get serious about these things. So this morning, um, I want us to look at um, coming to Jesus and staying with Jesus. We're going to be in John 6, if you've got your Bibles. Um, I'm going to set up the context because it's actually it's quite a long passage, which for time I'm not going to read. But it's it's the passage where Jesus starts talking about himself as the bread of life. Um, and initially, um, the people listening think this sounds great. You know, it's talking about Moses and the manna from heaven. And they're saying, that sounds amazing. Give us that bread. And, and Jesus kind of develops the theme through the conversation. I would encourage you at another point, go and have a read of it. But he sort of, in, he sort of expands to the point where he's saying, I am the bread of life. And, and people start going, well, hang on a minute. We know who you are. And they're beginning to get a bit puzzled. And rather than Jesus sort of um, leaning in and rescuing them from their confusion. He basically pushes and pushes um, and to the point where he says, I am the bread of life. And he's like talks about having to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Um, now, in any context, that is confusing. That is offensive. You know, for the, for the Jewish nation, you know, they, even in the, the, the meat that they ate, they had to drain the blood out. So this was you know, just incredibly culturally offensive and confusing. And not surprisingly, the people started muttering and grumbling. And then we pick it up in verse 66, where it says, from this time, after this sort of dialogue, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And if we're honest, if we put ourselves in their shoes, I think we can probably understand why. But then it carries on. And this is one of my favorite accounts, interactions with Jesus in the Gospels. So you, don't, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So I want to focus in on Peter's beautiful response. Essentially saying, where else are we going to go? Jesus almost kind of, he asks the question, almost gives him that option. Are you going to go too? Seeing all these other disciples who are saying, and essentially said, look, this teaching is too hard. We're out. Um, and Peter's response is amazing. Like, who, who else are we going to go to? Now, listen, I think we need to be abundantly clear. It is dead easy for us. We read that interaction where Jesus talks about himself as the bread of life, talks about his flesh and his blood. Um, and we understand the symbolism of the, what he did at the Last Supper, what he set up for us in communion. We understand um, about what he did on the cross and what that the Last Supper, when we take communion, what that symbolizes and represents and reminds us of. We understand that symbolism. But listen, these guys were hearing that before the cross, before the Last Supper, without any of that. So, you know, so it's understandable that so many of the disciples were like, this is too confusing, too complex, too gross and offensive, we're out. And listen, I think the amazing thing is it was, I'm sure, no less confusing, culturally offensive, puzzling, challenging to Peter and the 12 disciples than the ones who left. 
but they stayed, right? It was, I think, just as hard for them to hear and wrap their heads around what Jesus said as the others. But he, so Peter didn't really, I'm sure, know really what that meant, but what he did know, he settled on. What he did know, he comes back to say, you have the words of eternal life, and we have come to know and believe you are the Holy One of God. So he was able to hold on to what he was sure of, what he had come to know. And I love that implication of it was process as he'd walked with Jesus. We've come to know you're the Holy One of Israel. And as he'd come to know that, so he was able to hang on to what he did know. And most importantly, who he did know, even in the midst of stuff. He's like, I have no idea what he means. What on earth could Jesus mean? I'm the bread of life. You need to eat my flesh right? It's, it's not that he was, I think, denying the other stuff that was confusing or difficult, but actually he was just able to hold on to who he knew in the midst of it. So we see in this beautiful exchange, it's that this moment where there's Peter's bottom line is settled. It's this, this in the face of confusion. And I think that probably took him through the rest of Peter's life, you know, his failure, his confusion, his denial, his restoration, his muddle, his mess. Through all of that, there was this bottom line for him that is I know who this man is and I'm not going anywhere else. It just was established there firmly. And it's the same for us because here's the deal. The, the truth is we have a ton of options. We have loads of other places and people that we can go to, to find comfort, to find purpose, to find encouragement, to find affirmation, to find affection. We can go, we've got a whole load of options. Um, there's lots of other pe people and places and things that we can go to. And if we're honest, we probably do at times. Um, but there, there is no one and there is nowhere else where we can go to find the words of life. And Jesus says earlier on in the discourse, he says, the words I'm giving are full of spirit and full of life. It's this spiritual need, this spiritual life that we need. First and foremost, primarily, that is my primary need and yours, that spiritual need. And um, it is only met in Jesus. And so we, we have to have the same bottom line as Peter, that I, we will keep Jesus absolutely front and center. We're going to come to him and we're going to stay with him. Even when it's challenging, even when it's confusing, even when there's an option and other people are saying, this is too hard, I'm out. Our bottom line is, is like Peter's, that actually I'm not going anywhere else. Because you know, the temptation is that we do look and listen and, and go elsewhere. We do draw maybe from other places and you know, to get certain needs met, to certain answers to be questioned. And there's going to be you know, elements of truth and helpful. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying you have no other needs that are met, no other places. I'm talking about primarily. Our bottom line is sticking with Jesus. Let's jump into Colossians. I want to read um, from Colossians 2. This is actually the Phillips translation of the New Testament. Um, this is verses 2 and 3. This is Paul talking to the church um, in Colossae. He says this, How I long for you to grow more certain in your knowledge and more sure in your grasp of God himself. May your spiritual experience become richer as you see more and more fully God's great secret, Christ himself. For it is in him and in him alone that men will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love these verses. It, it, it just, it re-anchors back to this place of saying, listen, it is in him, in Jesus, and, and only in Jesus that we're going to find, I love this, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, right? So all my places of questioning, confusion, doubt, concern, disappointment, all of those things are going to find their place, are going to find their, their settling, are going to find their resolution, in Jesus. And so, so that's why our bottom line is, I'm not going anywhere else, is so vital. Because you know, when, we, when we keep coming back to this place, you know, that keep on this journey, and it is a journey, I love it. You know, Paul says, you know, your spiritual experience 
will become richer as you see more and more fully God's secret, which is Jesus. You know, the more fully we see Jesus, the, the richer we become. And it's process. I love, you know, it's so implied there as you see more and more. You know, we encounter God and we encounter him again. We meet with him and we meet with him again. We hear him and then we hear him again. It's ongoing. And, and when we do that, listen, when we come back and position ourselves to say it's in him and him alone that I'm going to find the treasure that I need. You know, he is the only one who has the words of eternal life. I, you know, I find when we do that, two things happen. You know, when I come back to Jesus again, I'm, I'm reminded of just how much I need him. Because honestly, we can get distracted. We can kind of get busy with other things and sort of lose sight of how much we need him. Um, so when we come to him, I'm two things. I'm reminded of how much I need him and I'm reassured and re it's reaffirmed again that I am going to find everything I need in him. And it just brings this settling again. So it's, it's that we have to come to him first, right? And I'm, listen, I'm not saying that, you know, we don't have need for friendships and fun and that we shouldn't find purpose in our work or enjoyment in hobbies or relaxation. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. Um, but I'm saying first and foremost, primarily, we need to come to Jesus. And, and everything else is secondary. He, you know, he, he's, the, he's the plumb line that we measure everything up against. And, and he is the one that we, we hold in front of us as we're grappling with you know, all the questions. And, and we have questions and we have concerns and we have doubts. And gosh, you know, we are in a confusing world right now. You know, I don't know, you know what is the you know, economical, social, political, health-wise, I don't know what is the best way to navigate us through this pandemic. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus has got the answers. I do know that Jesus has got the way. And I do know that he's with us in it. So we, we acknowledge the stuff that we don't know. I don't have to be phased by that. I don't think Jesus is phased by that. Um, but we hold on to Jesus. We hold on to who we do know. And listen, it is a keep coming. We have to keep coming to him. You know, I don't think this interaction with Peter was sort of, um, this wasn't his salvation moment. Like this was just, um, it was a, a declaration, a reaffirmation of him saying, I know who you are, Jesus. I have no idea what you're talking about right now, but I know who you are. And so I'm sticking with you. Um, it, it wasn't a one-off from that point of view. You know, there's a... Um, there's a community of believers up in the north of England, the, I don't know, the Northumbria community. I'm not sure if you're aware of them, but they're, um, you know, they kind of, they're really kind of embracing sort of Celtic rhythms of prayer. Um, and I've kind of, I've jumped in with some of their stuff sometimes. And their, um, their patterns of prayer are beautiful. I found them really rich. Um, and in their morning prayer, so every single morning, they have this, this flow and this structure of prayer. And they use this declaration of faith from John 6 every single morning. So every morning we say, um, we, you come back to Jesus again, and, and it is, it's that declaration, to whom else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know you are the Holy One of Israel. Every single morning they come and they, and they make that declaration. I, I found that a really rich practice to kind of get into, to re-anchor ourselves again and, you know, and acknowledge, Jesus, I've got loads of options. I've got loads of questions. I've got things that are challenging, that are confusing. I have doubt. I have anxiety. But here's my confession. Here's my decision. Um, I'm not going to anyone else or anyone else. I'm staying with you. Um, and as much as we constantly need to come, like it's really clear, it's not a one-off. Um, I want to really encourage you. We are constantly invited to come. Um, let's have a look in Matthew 11, really well-known passage. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Listen, Jesus' invitation, come to me. Again, it's not a one-off invitation. You know, this isn't, this isn't talking about a salvation moment. Come to me when you're burdened with your sin and your brokenness, and I'll give you rest. Yes, it's that. Yes, it's in that moment of coming to Jesus, but it's ongoing. It's not that, you know, our burden of, of sin and unrighteousness was taken by Jesus, but every other burden, he's like, come on, crack on, you guys. It's at every point, in every moment, in every situation, with whatever type of burden, whatever kind of weariness we have, um, his invitation is come to me and you'll find rest. So we, we need to take him up on that invitation of, of keep coming to him, not just for the first time, for the thousandth time if need be, this ongoing nature of coming to Jesus. And we need to know we can come as we are. This is my next thing. Listen, we don't, you know, his invitation is not conditional on me having it all figured out, having it all together, not having anything going on, right? We come as we are. Like Peter did not have all this stuff figured out. He was not by any stretch, you know, the finished article. You know, we, we know what happens in the rest of his story. He ends up denying Jesus and just getting all sorts of things wrong. He wasn't the finished article and he still had, I'm sure, a ton of questions, you know, about the specific nature of that dialogue in John 6. Um, but he didn't let those things stop him from coming. And Jesus never makes it conditional. That invitation is purely based on what he's done for us. It is not in us having it all figured out and all together. So we can come with our failures. We can come with our questions. We can come with our doubts. We can come with our confusion, our disappointment, our regret. We can come with all of it and come to him. It, it, it is not a conditional invitation. And, you know, when we'll come, we'll find, listen, he is... He is no less loving. He is no less sovereign. He is no less over all things. He is no less working out his purposes today in the context we find ourselves as in any other situation um, that there's been through the millennia of people following Jesus. Like he's still exactly who he says he is and he is absolutely doing what he says he's going to do. So, so we can come, come as we are, know that we will find him as sovereign, find him, Jesus, supreme over everything in him, for whom, through whom everything was created, right? That's who we're coming to. We need to, we need to remind ourselves of who it is we're coming to. So there's this ongoing invitation. He is still inviting you and I to come at every point. And the question for us is, is are we? Are we still coming to him or, or are we drifting? Has, are we saying this is too tricky? This is too confusing. Have we started drifting? Um, and here's, here's what's you know, God is so good, you know, he's so abundantly gracious that, you know, even, even when we wander, even when we maybe start to go our own way, even when we start to go to other people or other places or other things to meet some of those needs that we have for reassurance, for affection, for affirmation, for encouragement, for purpose, for direction, you know, even if we start to wander, if we start to get our priorities a little bit muddled, um, Jesus is the good shepherd. And, and he comes after us. You know, we've got that picture he talks about himself. He's, he'd leave the 99 to come after the one. So when, when I end up being the one, even, you know, even, for, even for moments, I'm not talking about I'm abandoning my faith, but I'm, things are sliding. I'm wondering, I'm wondering. Um, he'll come after us. Um, and so again, it's the, there's moments where we need to come to Jesus, take him up on that invitation. But, and there's also times when we need to recognize, we need to let ourselves be found by this good, good shepherd because he is coming after us. One final verse I just want to look at in Revelation 3.20. This is the amplified version of a really well-known verse, which you know, we classically use when we're talking about um, the gospel message and, and appealing people to kind of get saved. And we use that really famous picture of Jesus knocking on the door, the light of the world. Um, and it comes from this verse. Um, it says, Behold, I stand at the door of the church and I continually knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. I will restore him and he will be with me. Such a beautiful promise. But listen, notice, he's standing at the door of the church. This is written to the church in Laodicea, and this part of Revelation 3. So it's written to, to believers. So yes, he's knocking on the door of hearts of people who don't know him yet. And that invitation that he would come in and bring restoration. Absolutely, that is the gospel message. And, but listen, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And he says it here, I am continually knocking. Continually, not just a one-off when we get saved. He's, he's continually coming after us. And that's, that's what I love is that God, he initiates. You know, he makes the first move and then he makes the second move and the third move. It's not that he made the first move and then he sits back and he's like, well, I'm here if you want me. Like he comes after us. He's continually knocking. And this, again, it was written to the church in Laodicea, which if you read the rest of Revelation 3, and he talks about you, then he's saying, listen, you become lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. So you've lost your first love. So I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Like it's a, he's talking to a church who are, who have wandered, right? Who's, who lost that bottom line of to whom else shall we go? They'd maybe been going elsewhere. Um, and maybe that was sinful. Maybe that's idolatry. Maybe it's just distraction. I'm not saying people had lost their faith, but they had for sure become a complacent church, right? Um, and, and I think, you know, we need to pay attention to these things because I don't think, you know, no one, none of us as believers have that as our kind of our goal of discipleship is, you know, I want to be a, a lukewarm kind of hanging in there, middle of the road, complacent Christian. That's, that's my goal. You know, that's, that's where I'm headed. Like none of us want that. None of us, we choose that purposefully, but, but we absolutely can end up there sometimes, you know, and sometimes it is that we've been distracted by stuff, maybe discouragement, disappointments come in and we've not been able to process that. You know, maybe we've just, it's just that we've got our priorities in the wrong way, right? We're meeting, we're trying to meet really good and godly needs that we have, but maybe not in the best way or in the best order. Maybe we're, maybe we're more feeding the wrong hungers, right? We're feeding sort of soulish things that we need, not, and we've sort of neglected, actually, that's sort of where our spirits are at. Um, and maybe we've just got confused. Maybe things have happened that's like, I don't know, maybe doubts come in, but we can find ourselves kind of lukewarm and what I love is that you know there is absolutely there's a challenge in in Revelation chapter three there is that challenge listen you've not hot nor cold it's it is a rebuke to the church in one sense but but in the midst of that there's this beautiful invitation to say listen you need to know I am continually knocking on the door he's not going to stop knocking on the door because we've got confused or complacent or drifted like he's not he's persistent towards us um but this is the thing, you know, when it's, it's easy if once our priorities shift a little bit, you know, when we maybe stop coming to him every day and reaffirming our bottom line like Peter did, I'm not going anywhere else, I'm sticking with you. It, like it's easy then for us to slide. It's easy for us to then, you know, we can just gradually start giving first to other people or to other things other than Jesus. And, and any one of us, we can find ourselves like the church in Laodicea and um, and so we need to not berate ourselves that, but we need to recognize where we're at and reposition, reorientate ourselves, come back to that bottom line and re-anchor ourselves to Jesus first and only. Um, there's a beautiful old hymn, I'm sure you know it. Um, it's to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory 
and grace. It's such a beautiful promise. Um, it's actually the whole hymn's wonderful. I encourage you to go and have a read of it. Um, but the thing is, when we when we stop looking at Jesus, the the things of earth, he's saying here, look, when we when we look at Jesus, the stuff that's going on on earth, and it's not saying that's irrelevant, it doesn't matter, but it grows dim in comparison to Jesus. The problem is when we stop coming to Jesus, we stop looking to Jesus, we stop listening to his voice first and foremost, is actually you know, we'll start looking at the things of earth and those things, they end up getting louder and brighter and more dominant. And, and it's it, like we lose sight of who Jesus is and what he's doing because we're so focused in on down here. And so the answer is, again, it's just, it's eyes up. It's eyes back to Jesus. It's looking back to him once again. So we need to, you know, we need to continually keep coming back to Jesus, reaffirming and reminding ourselves of our bottom line. Um, so my encouragement to each and every one of us. My challenge, actually, to each and every one of us is, is, is where are we at with our bottom line? Like, you know, singing, you know, that we, you know, we're coming to Jesus, you know, reading about it, being aware of it, listening to it is great. But that stuff has got to be actualized. What does that look like for you right now? Like, where do you find yourself? And, and my encouragement is for you to just listen again and know that there is an open, unconditional invitation from Jesus for you to come. Come with your worries, come with your doubt, come with your disappointment, come with your frustration, come. But, and remind ourselves, you know, in the, in the face of, you know, a million other opinions and a ton of other options for us to be people who say, to whom else would I go? I, I'm not going anywhere else. We believe you have the words of eternal life and we're going to listen to you first and foremost. And everything else is going to get interpreted through the truth of who you are and what you say. Like it's, it's so, so important. And listen, I, I, I want to urge each of us to say, actually, we need to take this seriously. It is a serious thing to follow Jesus. It is, and I want us to take this needing to come to Jesus and stay with Jesus. I want us to take that seriously. And so I encourage you um, just to take time even this week to, to re-anchor yourself to that, to re-establish your bottom line and, and, and be willing to let go of some of the things that you don't know, that you don't understand, that you're finding difficult to just to let those things be, let those burdens, if you like, be things Jesus carries and your bottom line, your re- you're anchoring to him to be re-established and to be reaffirmed. Like it's time to get serious about coming with Jesus and staying with Jesus. So why don't we just take a moment, you know, even right where you are now, um, wherever you are, whoever you're with, just take a moment. Um, and I want you just to even imagine um, Jesus standing in front of you and, and, and asking us that question that he asked those original 12 disciples. What about you? Are you going to go? Like, what's our response? And now listen, when Jesus asks her those questions, he's not asking us those with his hands on his hip and wagging his finger. He's asking it with open arms because he wants more than anything for us to be with him. So let's take a moment to pray. Jesus, we thank you for your unbelievable grace and kindness and compassion and patience. Thank you, Jesus, that you are continually knocking on the door of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that you are not phased or disappointed with my moments of doubt, of disappointment, my unfaithfulness, my compromise, my complacency. God, you're not phased by those things, but you want to call me and draw me out of them into something better. So Jesus, we just choose, even in this moment, to come to you again. 
and knowing that we'll find rest and we'll find restoration. Holy Spirit, would you come and bring that assurance of faith that we will be able to say like Peter, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know at the deepest parts of our being that you are the Holy One of Israel. You are God's Son, our Savior, the Messiah. You are the sovereign, eternal God. You are God in all his fullness and you want us to be with you. Holy Spirit, come and make that real again to each one of us. Breathe life into us, we pray. And we pray it, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.